Good evening, Patriots. And it is a great evening. As a matter of fact, I just had an awesome day and an awesome evening, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that tonight because I'm actually believing that the world is changing, and I can think I can show you how we're winning, and it's pretty amazing. And it all centers on God. No surprise there. Make sure you're keeping your immune system up. It's really important right now. And in this time of stress and all the things we're going through, boosting your immune system is absolutely essential. We are surrounded by the stresses and the environmental issues that are challenging our immune systems. And keeping our immune system strong is essential to maintaining a strong position in this fight. Expedition Coffee was designed specifically to not only give you that energy boost you need that will sustain you across the entire day while boosting your immune system and help maintain a mental focus throughout the day. You can find Expedition Coffee, X-P-E-D, Expedition Coffee at expeditioncoffee.com. And there you'll also find a full range of products that are designed to work as a full health ecosystem, all designed to reclaim your personal health sovereignty. Those products include the Gut Health Triad, which helps heal and seal your gut. Leaky gut is one of the critical causes of sickness in our nation. You also have Immune XP, which is an immune booster based on pine cone extract with high levels of vitamin C. Earth, which is a nutrient powder, giving your body a full complement of nutrients you need. Just mix it with water, drink it like a shake. Do that once a day. And Pure 47, one of the most refined silver extracts on the market that can isolate most of the pathogens that you'll encounter. The products on ExpeditionCoffee.com are all designed to give you back the strength in your immune system to not only endure the challenges to the immune system, but to dominate and to rise above to reclaim your true health sovereignty. So check out Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. Well, Patriots, I think one of the things that we've struggled with, not I think, we have struggled with in this crazy world is this, what does it look like when we start to pull people together? And then we always have these questions of vaxxed versus unvaxxed, which is a big issue. And then, of course, we get down to in these ideas of separation, division, political divisions, political bias. And I've been kind of leading to this recently. We've been listening that really the center of gravity for pretty much everything that we're dealing with is food. And I'm becoming increasingly centered on two things right now that, that literally bring us together in a crazy way in a way that I didn't expect. Where we are right now is this place in so much being hit every direction from the chaos in the world, every direction in the hate and the maliciousness of this seditious government, all the threats of food, all the of food scarcity, famine, things like that, polit- political divisions. But there is one very obvious bifurcation that's happened. And that's the vax. That divides us. And as much as we want to talk about unity, we're going to have to start coming to grips with the fact that there is a distinctive difference between those that chose the path of the injection and those that chose the path to stay uninjected. And I witnessed that tonight in a really amazing way. So I've mentioned this a couple times this week, Helios Farms, Kieran and Theo, who run that farm, and I've, that's where I've been to, told you I've been doing my training to on butcher training up there. I do it once a week. This week I did it three times. So I, <laughs> I think it's becoming a full-time job, and that's pretty awesome. Not really. 
it is awesome, but it's not really becoming a full-time job yet. I'm not sure it's ever going to be a full-time job, but it's going to be a busy job. When you butcher an animal, it takes a lot of time. And I and it's pretty cathartic. It's pretty amazing. But my point is that today they had a get-together at the farm, and I wasn't intending to go. I it was pretty busy. I had a lot of my schedule, and we had invited me. And as it turned out, we, I gutted a pig yesterday, and then today was a day to butcher it. So I was like, yeah, I'll go up and butcher it. So I got there early in the morning, and then by the time we finished, their get-together was happening, and I'd already decided to kind of stay. I figured I decided to stay, and I invited my parents up to, to come up. And this is why I bring this up, is that there's one common, there's several common denominators of everybody that comes on their farm. This isn't accidental, it's intentional. They, they run a private med- membership association. And as part of their bylaws, you have to accept one central theme on that farm. Well, there's a couple of rules, but one bylaw is that Jesus is king, which I love. Because it doesn't matter who you are. If you're going to do business with Helios Farms, you're going to have to accept that Jesus is king. So if you want your raw milk and you want your, you want your eggs that are the best in the whole, at least the whole West Coast, if not the country. And if you want to get the best meat around, you have to agree to the preamble the premise is that Jesus is king which is I mean among other things right but there's another rule on the farm that's pretty fantastic and that is that if you're vaxxed you cannot come on the farm and it's not done to be malicious it's done because of the health of the animals they've actually had transmission happen that has affected their cows in a bad way so there's a very hard and fast rule that you can't come on the farm if you're injected. The whole point of this is that this get-together today was, I have no idea where people were on the political spectrum. But what I do know is two actions are, two active measures are in place. One is you can't be vaxxed, and the other is Jesus is king. So now suddenly the great, unifier happens. And I do mean this because today, if I had been any other time in my life invited to this event, I would have missed the event because I would have probably assumed that most of the people were like granola hippies that were there. And yet everybody got along stellarly and there's no mistaking where certain political lines are. Like, there's no mistaking on the farm that it's pro-Second Amendment. There's no questioning that. And there's no mistaking on the farm that it's pro-First Amendment. If you went by the looks of people there, you'd be like, what type of weird eclectic mix is this? Because it did. It looked like kind of a cross between kind of working class and probably some what we would typically call kind of granola type. But all of that went away. And that's what I was really remarking on today. And it was really amazing because everybody was engaged on some central themes. The concern for food security. The concern for sourcing good quality food. The interest in just getting to know each other to build a community and expand the tribe. And everybody's interested in how to better tend to the land and be better stewards. What's missing in all of that? 
politics, which is basically like, which is good because politics is kind of like having a plugged toilet and it's plugged for days and your bathroom smells. That's kind of what politics is. And outside of that, I'm sure people have different orientations one way or another. I don't really care. It never came up. And it wasn't because it wasn't, no one tried to make it come up. Nobody was hiding anything. But you're in a world where like, I literally left the butchery, took off my gear, washed it down. People were coming in and out of the butchery when I was working there with Kira. And we're having conversations with all sorts of people. We're cutting up meat. We're talking about food. We're talking about this, you know, the concern of where things are in the nation. Talking about personal issues, about health and concerns about family members. And everybody is there on a common set of interests. I, and I will tell you, it's, it's probably one of the most refreshing days I've had in a very long time to see America and Americans of a whole diversity of life come together and enjoy some really awesome music, by the way. I'm trying to get permission to play one of their pieces. They're called the Bee Eaters. Bee Eaters, B-E-E, Eaters, or however you do that. I don't know how they spell it. I'll look it up. And they are super talented. I mean, they're talking about a, they're all string players, and so like violin and fiddle and um, cello, bass, and then another guy's playing the dulcimer, which is, a, the, the dulcimer is a hard instrument to play. So they've got both a kind of a medieval Baroque type feel to even to a Texas down-home country feel. They go a full range of stuff. They're really awesome. So you just would never expect in any other time this mix would not have happened is my point. But this is truly, as I sat back and looked at it, I went, wow, this is really God's gift. This is where we are going because we're now building tribes based on the right values. No one really cares if you what your president choice is. What we care about is God and health and keeping government out of our lives. That's a good mix of stuff right there. And the principles of the Constitution are in full effect. So I say this because what really struck me today is how we are really winning this war. And we're going to win this war in the most profound way possible. The, the system that we're in right now prides itself in having a minority few that are ramrodding, literally ramrodding, their beliefs on children and on this public of what they want that world to be. And that world looks something like this. Everybody's going to be sub subject to the government's rules. You'll be subject to everything possible that they tell you to do. You'll be obedient to that. You'll be obedient to the rules that tech gives you on how to speak properly. If you're deemed to be speaking improperly by the ministry of truth, you'll be deplatformed or penalized on your social credit score. 
everybody will accept everybody's gender choice. Everybody will accept everybody's partner choice, even if that means a person's married to a donkey or a robot. And we get no choices in that because that's been already been decided. So in the end of the day, there'll be some sort of replacement church where everybody will get along because you're told to, and you're told to come under one banner because you're told to, and you'll be obedient to that. And if you're not, then you'll pay a price. Well, good luck with that because what's happening in the United States right now, which is quite amazing, and it's happening around the world, but in particular here, and I'm seeing it more and more in my own county, so I'm very, it's very, in, in, it's very heartening, is that people are more and more saying, look, I really don't want you around, meaning government. We just want to work our problems out locally. We're going to take care of things locally. We're going to connect together locally. We're going to build out tribes. And, you know, lots of, lots of kudos to Leo and Theo and Kira for doing this because they are bringing in a rather eclectic mix of people. Not because they're choosing it, but because they're open and their their ministry is well. If you accept the rules of the of the game, which is Jesus is King, everybody's welcome. And so, like I told you, the process of teaching that ministry has been through the process of the farm, and that's hands on. And it's a and by the way, if you are interested in probably one of the most demanding internships to learn how to run a farm, you will ever engage in. Reach out to Helios Farms, Helios Farms, and you will discover a challenge of your life that if you make it through, you'll be a great farmer. It's three months, roughly. So this is how we're going to rebuild this nation, though. And that's what's really been clear to me more and more. And one of the reasons that when God put on my heart to start learning butchery, and then once that connection happened. I mean, doors are opening in this process that are amazing because I've mentioned that we have a property that we're starting to make the shaping of what that's going to look like for Bards Nation headquarters. And that is not ready yet to get into the full announcement. We're going to get there soon. But it's going to have an animal butchery on it. It's going to have real life things on it, like a shooting range. And it's going to have a meeting place and it's going to have ways to learn traditional methods of doing farming and agriculture that don't require machinery. It's going to have a place to have an outdoor place to do sermons and ministry. It's going to have a production studio in it. It's going to be pretty amazing. And it's going to be part of a a national network that we're slowly starting to build out. Because this is how we take our world back. We're not going to take it back. We are literally not going to, we're not going to take this back with the sword of the steel. And it isn't to say that you don't need to defend your property. I've said this many times, but that isn't the way this fight is. This is a spiritual fight. And we have to nurture a new generation of disciples. And those disciples don't need to come up in a very hermetic school 
of all they study is scripture. They need to understand the principles of life. And that means we need people that are going to be emboldened to understand what it's actually like to kill and slaughter and butcher an animal. You need to have that in you because that's part of life. You need to understand how to raise food. You need to understand how to forge things on a metalsmith, like in a blacksmith area. You need to understand how to cut wheat with a scythe, not just a mower. And you need to know how to maintain a scythe. You need to know how to sharpen a knife. You need to know how to hunt. And of course, you need to know how to have an intimate relationship with Jesus. You need to get, we need to get back to the principles of stewarding so that when a person is in a community, they're not just at a pulpit waiting for somebody to give them donations so they can have a salary. That's irrelevant. That's not the way this works. And we need to move past that model. We need to do, go back to a traditional model that you're sermoning for God. And while the church will take care of your needs, it's not about wealth. It's about being participant and a, and a true asset in the community. And that's the vision we're starting to build for this ministry, Bard's ministry. This is where people become active and participant in the world. Churches have become businesses. And the more people they get in, then it becomes about donations. And the more donations they get, so they build a bigger congregation. It's a business. And the last time I checked, God didn't say make my church as a business. And that's a paradigm shift for many. But when we put God first in all things and we accept that we'll be t- our needs will be taken care of, that's definitely not the Creflo dollar idea that your needs are being taken care of with a special jet to fly you, actually four of them, to fly you to Africa. That doesn't work. That's not on, what was that? Something I swear it was something like $250 million he raised, maybe more. The, the, the tendency to move a church into the financial space gets us into the tr- trouble of the Pharisees. And we need to get back to a true ministry of the heart. And we need to be seeding, truly seeding into the world. So that's the kind of the principle of what I witnessed today. I watched an outcome of two people, Kara and Theo, who have been seeding this idea of the beauty and the bounty of the garden through amazing food that they produce, milk and eggs, beef and pork, all raised in a place that has absolutely zero inputs like vaccines or or stimulants or it's all natural, the way animals should be raised in a really healthy environment. And in the process, they're, they're reaching out with that bounty to assist other people, to raise up other families in health. So that principle needs to be at the core, in my opinion, of everything that we're doing, even in our communities, because at a small level, that can have the same effect. So if you're growing a garden and if you can grow a little bit extra to share that particip- share that excess with your neighbors, that's part of it. 
And as we gain the skills, which we need to do, we need to reclaim these skills. That's the ancient paths in the way that I'm translating it in tonight's show. That's an ancient path. To reclaim these skills to get back to putting our hands in the earth and growing and growing our food and taking accountability for our lives. You know, the, the day that we have a farmer that is valued as much as a doctor, which right now, that's not a good comparison, but you know my point. Because I don't think many doctors are very revered. We need to get farmers to a place where they are highly revered in society and kind of the center point. Because without them, we have they are really the true health keepers, if you will, of the nation. And what's encouraging to me is I'm running into more and more younger people that are seeking that lifestyle. We're working with one right now. I'm working with one right now who's in his late 20s that's running cattle and I'm going to be doing some work with him. And it's very encouraging because we, we're seeing, I'm seeing an inspiration and a fire, and it's hard work. If you've ever farmed, you know what I'm saying. It's hard work. And unfortunately, we've become fairly soft as a society. And so the idea of hard work for many, it's like, ooh, can I hire somebody else to do that? It's like, yeah, you can starve if you want. It's okay with me. Your choice. And that's the accountability we have to kind of get to. We have to get to a place where we are responsible for ourselves. Let me read Matthew 13, 3, starting at 3. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell aside, fell beside the road. And the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on rocky places where they did not have much soil and they sprang up immediately because they had no depth of soil. But after the sun rose, they were scorched and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns and the thorns came up and choked them out. But others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundred, some 60, some 30 times as much. The one who has ears, let him hear. And so Jesus goes on to explain that in a couple ways. One, he says, listen then to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one sown with seed beside the road. The one sown with seed on the rocky places, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but, the only temp- but, only, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution occurs because of the word, immediately he falls away. And the one sown with seed among the thorns This is the one who hears the word and the anxiety of the word and the deceitfulness of the wealth choke the word out. It becomes fruitful. It becomes unfruitful. But the one sown with seed on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it and who indeed bears fruit and produces some 100, some 60, some 30 times as much. And there's a lot of very interesting wisdom built into that if someone understands 
what it is to literally sow seeds and the parallels of that. And it's also one of the great understandings in this, which is implied, is what happens when you're literally participant in the process of farming or caring for your own food. Because each process here, the one thing that someone who works with this sus- the being self-sufficient model knows is even when times get tough or your images get dark or you feel like you're being choked out or the sun is scorching on you and trying to steal your roots, the point is you have to endure or you starve and die. There's a really tragic story that happened when I was living up in Minnesota. This goes back into the late 90s. And the husband had been working all... Farmers often in some of these parts of the country get paid in lump sums once a year. They raise their crops. They do a lot on credit or credit in the traditional sense of like banks or sometimes local seed suppliers will extend a credit some often with no interest just so they can get the farmers the seed and then when the harvest comes they're paid back so they just kind of keep a ledger in the in the supply house and that's very common in rural areas you can even have grocery stores the little grocery store in the little town i was in up in northern minnesota literally had that you just would go in and just say put it on my account and they would keep an account and then if People were often paid monthly or sometimes, depending on times, things would get a little slow or a little tough. And the whole idea is, is the community would work together so that, I mean, the store was part of the community so that if a person couldn't necessarily pay the end of the month's bill, they wouldn't necessarily be cut off. But it was all about a trust relationship, no interest. So this particular farmer had gone through this entire year. and. In the process of his year, he had a good harvest and gave his money. His uh, his wife went down to pick up the money after they had sold. And it was a substantial amount. I want to say eighty dollars or $100,000. And on the way back, she swung into the casino. And she gambled it all away. Um. That's literally right in the parable of the sower. That's the sower, the seeds that are sown amongst thorns. Because the temptations that are there for those of weak heart and miss the point of the real purpose of life get swept away by the lures and promises of wealth and deceitfulness of the world. Obviously that, and I don't really have a follow-on to that farmer. I, I just, it's just, it was such a tragic story at the time because there's really no recovering from that easily or at all. It was a whole year's worth of work that went away in a matter of probably less than an hour at a gambling table somewhere. We are very, we tend to be pretty weak people at times, and when we miss our priorities, um, we miss them, it's a big deal, because we get wrapped up in the things of, the lures of 
the wealth and the excitement of the things and the bedazzlement of this world, which is intended to be there because that is the deceitfulness and it's what pulls us away from God. But when you're truly working connected with your hands, and when I say that, I mean truly connected with your hands, meaning we're creating things and we're doing things and we're a participant in the actual action, not managing others to see if they do jobs more efficiently. But it's literally your active and participant in the problem and building something in the empire of God, in the kingdom of God. That, that's a very different relationship. And it keeps us very grounded. And the problem with the modern day is so much of the work that's been created is busy work. It's intentional. And so we've built this population where, as we start to hear in the fourth industrial revolution, there's going to be all these jobs displaced. Well, why can they be displaced? Because they're worthless. That's why. People are complaining. It's like, I'm going to be outsourced because AI can do my job. Well, that's because you're not doing something worthy of God, to be quite frank. And that may seem harsh to some people, but what is, if an AI can fix, can solve the problem and replace you, then somewhere in that mix of value, you, you're not in line with the way God is because an AI is not going to replace God. Though Silicon Valley would disagree because they actually have an AI church. So we have to get back to a very core basics of who we are. And, and when we get back to those core values and we start putting in the hard effort to build and be participant in our hearts and our minds of all that we do, that we are building the kingdom. Not waiting, not anticipating an end, but being a participant in every moment of being building God's kingdom. There is a massive value shift. And I'm seeing it with young, and I'm seeing it with old, and I'm seeing it across a whole spectrum of people, and there's a common theme there. And I go back to what I said at the beginning. It's food. Because there's a revaluing of the world that's coming back to a simple reality. You don't eat, you die. You don't have clean water, you die. Now think about that for a minute and just add the simple aspect of a humble, a humble shelter, whatever that is. So if you have food and you have, if you have healthy food and, and, and clean water, and you've got some basics of things to wear and a, a shelter, that kind of sums up the very fundamentals of life. But the next part of that, which is critical in the relationship, in my opinion, with the Lord, is that we're participant in all of those things. The Amish have a pretty good mix of things that they do, and one of those is that the community comes together to support the community and then the individuals there are responsible for their lives. That's kind of the mix. So as the example, people come together to build a house. People come together to raise a barn. People come together if, if something burns down to rebuild it and replace it. And then each person has their own duties to take care of and sustain for their family. But the community is also there to support in hard times. It's true sovereignty in that sense. But the one thing that's central to all, all of this has to be always Jesus is king. In all of this noise and confusion that we're in, and there's a lot of it, it takes our eyes off of what's critical. We seek to get higher salaries. We seek to get 
this or that. I mean, to me, the real radical right now is the person that just says, look, I'm blazing my own trail as God guides me. I'm not going to be dependent on a salary coming from any corporation. I'm going to make my life and living with the gifts and talents that God gave me. And I'm going to raise as much, if not all, of my own food. And I'm going to build into a community where I can help others and help build that community out with equal strength. By the way, there's that's a rough amount of work. That's a lot of work. But as we're doing that, we're, it's a transformational experience because we're literally moving through a period of time where we are getting stronger more and more solid in our faith. And really nothing is going to be able to disrupt this or change the direction of the world. The world is at a split. We've talked about this at length. It's the bifurcation, and there's literally two paths. And like I go back to today, it was very clear to me that there was a distinct difference, a transforming and transformational difference between an unvaxxed group of people and there's no mixing of the vaxxed. Because everybody right now that's been unvaxxed has, has endured the same scorn and the same hypocrisy together. It has nothing to do with politics. Because I guarantee you that many of the people that were there probably at one point or another would have voted Democrat. Not that I care. But when you take a group of people that have all been through the same scorn, this is sounding a whole lot like Exodus and the plagues to where there's a, there's a humbling and a leveling when people come together that allows us to finally see each other for who we are. We don't get wrapped up around the fact that one person's hairdo style or one way one person, what they wear. We're each allowed... That's part of our individual expression. We don't get wrapped up around whether one person likes this type of music or not. Because at the core of everything, there's these common themes that when we know they're there, we are truly given eyes to see. And what is it that we're seeing? We're not seeing the outer shell and the sort of... uh, image that we're putting to the world for whatever reason we do that because we all do it we make choices you choose a style of pants you like you choose a shirt you like you choose a haircut style you like i mean that's what you become into the outside world which is very shallow but that's how you're presenting yourself but when you strip all that away what's at the what's at the inside and the biggest challenge we have right now is when we're walking in public we aren't able to see into that heart easily so by virtue of setting up a filtering system that says you're all welcome except if you're vaxxed by reasons of health we can't have you if you've taken the injection all of a sudden there's this great leveling and that great leveling is that we have an understanding that we are all in a place with some common and very critical 
commonalities. We've endured, like I said, the hypocrisy of the anti of the pro-vaxxers as anti-vax. And we may have chosen it for a dozen different reasons. Doesn't matter what our motivation was, the fact is we're in the same place. And whether we've arrived at embracing an intimate and loving and incredible relationship with Christ, or whether we're seeking that relationship with Christ, the acceptance of Christ as King is given. So I don't think that we have that far to go to really start building some amazing unity and tribe. That's kind of where I'm going with this whole thing tonight because we make up a lot of our mountains and build a lot of our walls by virtue of expectations and perceptions that may not actually be real. It's a couple things that we, the one thing that we can determine pretty quickly is the determine of the vax. And unfortunately, whether you like it or not, and if you've been vaxxed and this offends you, I'm sorry, but you made a choice in your life that while you can be forgiven with Christ, if you repent, nonetheless, it separated you from another core of people because those that had held the line and trust in God and saw through that lie have had to suffer through a different experience and a different reality. And I'm not saying that that bridge between those that have taken the vax and are now wanting to be forgiven can't be built, but there is still a health issue that's real. So when we start to put the strength, where, and this is how we rebuild, anytime you're rebuilding something or you're trying to build strength, let's put it that way, in a force, you have to find the common denominators that give that force the edge, that allow that force to realize its, its true strength and its, two, its true ferocity. And that true strength and true ferocity is going to come from us who are unvaxxed really embracing what we've been through as a common and powerful experience that has given us incredible strength. And that next and most important step is that Jesus is king. We get to those two places. We have a very powerful unity that can't be fractured. And it's not going to be fractured by political division because within that circle of people, if someone says, I'm going to vote and whatever, I'm like, I don't really care because I will guarantee you that most aren't really going to care in the political side of the vote as much as they're going to care about making sure everybody maintains health, has good food, has a supply of good food, and that will continue to build forth a better vision of community. And that's the key because we're literally stepping away going, yeah, you know this system we're in? It's criminal. This system we're in has no authority over me. It's not constitutional. I'm not going to accept its authority over me. I'm going to accept only the rules of God. And those that are seeking are going to find that when you have that strength and you're walking with Christ and that trust in God, they're going to come along pretty quick because they're going to witness what that means. And when you witness what that means in others, you want that for yourself. So all of this said to tell you, make sure you have hope because God's winning this thing. And what I glimpsed today, <laughs> it's 
pretty amazing. God's perfect plan. And it is a beautiful plan. A plan to create a remnant that is eclectic, very unique, very adaptive, and extremely solid in our understanding of faith, God's power, and our trust in Jesus. I'll take that path. I'm on that path. Because the other path, that's Satan's trick, and I'm not walking there. Let's pray. Jesus, we just ask you to join us tonight and thank you for all that you've done for us. This walk that we're in has been a challenging one to say the least. For some it's been torturous, painful, loss of loved ones, separation of family and friends. There's been a real cost, but you warned us about that. You told us that if we would follow you, we would be persecuted. I think most never foresaw that that persecution might come sometimes from within the family, within the circles of friends, but it did. Because we didn't have to proclaim you, Jesus. What we had to do is proclaim a trust in something greater than the government or Big Pharma, knowing that that trust was in you and to, to you, to the Father. And so in that moment of us standing strongly there, the ire of those that were complying in this world were turned against us. So we pray for them. We pray that their hearts will be opened. We pray that they can find that path to you. And it's not that we aren't we don't forgive them because we do, Jesus, but we also are finding such strength in our own self because through all of us that have endured in this time, we're finding the common trust in you and the seeking of intimate relationship with you, very personal relationship with you, and you've been there. So thank you. And so now we just need to use this strength to continue to build this foundation that can lead and to guide others, not to be exclusive, but to lead and to guide others. So we pray for that. We pray for that strength. We pray for that unity amongst us. We pray for the unity that can lead others to you. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of wrecking ball action that's happened. There's a lot of blind stupors that people have walked in. And so there is a need for a remnant, and you've given us that, and you've led us this way. And so we thank you, not only for that, but for the sacrifices made. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. We are um, a people that need each other. We can't live alone. I like to think sometimes we can. There's times that I think I'm like, I don't want to deal with the world. 
But when we really sit down and we realize the beauty of community that values, and truly when I mean this, when you're in a community in a tribe that values children, that values family, that values relationships, normal relationships, heterosexual, their wife, man and wife, it's a very calming world. There's no agitation, there's no anger, hate like we normally, like we've become so accustomed to. You know, in the same, this last week I've mentioned a couple stories. I've talked about the Canadian family that's been up there with two young girls. What a beautiful family. And the whole girl's education for the last six months has been learning farm life. And boy, have they. And how have they grown up. And have they opened their eyes. It's been amazing. Tonight, I, I just watched Compassion my, when my parents came up. And in a normal world, when nobody really wants to talk to the elderly. And I want like to call my parents elderly. They're, they're so awake and so alert. But at 85 and 84, they are getting older. And they're usually, that's kind of like the, oh, the old people. I've, I saw people come up and just engage them in interested conversation. I saw just a, a, an appreciation for every type of person that was there in each of their unique spaces. And what I know is that the one thing that was common and was present and he who was working hearts was Jesus that was there. And when we have that in an active sense, not in church where it's the pastor's talking from his pulpit, but when we're in community and we don't have to have Bibles open to learn it, we're just living with Jesus. That's the intimacy we're talking about and we're missing. And when we bring that power of love into our space, it's profound. And you start to realize what community could be, what tribes can be, and what a remaking of this world could look like. It's not idealist to say this, and it's not saying there won't be challenges because there will be, nor there will there be issues of problems because there always are some sort of problems. But it's the hard work of the soul and the understanding that hard work builds the soul, that bridges the bridges, that builds the bridges that brings us together. Something to think about. Something to take to prayer. Something that I know that is the forefront of everything that I will continue to pursue and build. Because when Jesus is before me, and God is behind me, and we're walking together with that common understanding, even if we have differences on things, at the end of the day, the greatest difference, the greatest unity we have is our love in Christ. And when that's there, literally all things are possible. Have a very blessed night. I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. I also have Dr. Artis on tomorrow night in Bards FM, part one of a two-part show. Should be really good. So, 
Until then or until the next time, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. And I'll tell you, all I can say right now is seek that intimate relationship with Christ. Seek it. Reach for it. Talk to Jesus. Make it part of the living and active part of your world. It's not just limited to when you open up Scripture. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And that's the most amazing part of that statement. And of course, in the end, he wins. But he has us here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, I hope you have a very blessed night. I'll see you tomorrow afternoon for Bended Knee. And like I said, or and tomorrow night we have Dr. Artis on. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing through. Fight for all we had to lose Reaching out for something To pull us up to the level ground Oh, I can see it now I can see it now We're on the edge of our moment Been out of our depth, now we're diving in The light up ahead, we're running to
my mind We run away sometimes When belonging becomes something to find We always come back to what we know Keep it close on the cold days, darling Counting all the ways Where you are a safe place to hide from the rain 